0: Hi, I'm Garth Tanner.
1: I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney.
0: We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the V8 Insiders.
2: It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell.
1: It all comes down to two more days of racing. Yeah, Saturday night we might have a look at it and then work out some sort of strategy if there needs to be. Triple Eight 8, Stink Up for Charity. Why
3: smell like a man when you can smell like a V8?
1: And join in the new fun game every V8 fan is playing Where's Courtney Going?
4: Is and you can be best buddies. Hey, let's all play the weird Waldo world game.
1: It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders.
4: You've taken the V8 to the races, you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out
1: now. With Sydney about to conclude the championship season, it is hard to believe that the focus is set on one driver who's leading the championship but has nothing to do with the events of the weekend. Instead, it's the speculation that continues on this week where he will be hanging his helmet next year. Courtney, who over the past few weeks has been linked with FPR driving a Pepsi Max-sponsored customer car for Charlie Swalkle. Now he's being tipped as the replacement for Will Davison at Holden's factory team. The news sending Ford fans into a spin, as for the third year in succession, one of the leading Ford drivers will not be in a blue oval car the following season. 2008 Will Davison, 2009 it was Jamie Winkup and Craig Lowndes, and now it's potentially James Courtney. 53-97. and They are the numbers that will determine the 2010 V8 Supercar Championship, Courtney leading the championship by 53 points, so if he can pull a 97-point gap on Jamie Wincup in race on Saturday, he will be the champion. That means if Courtney wins, Wing Cup must finish better than 18th to keep the championship alive. Courtney can finish as low as third with Wing Cup 25th or worst to do the job on Saturday. For Wing Cup, if he wins Saturday and Courtney is worse than seventh in the championship lead, transfers to the 888 lead driver by one point. Wing Cup cannot win the championship on Saturday. He can only keep it alive. Rick and Todd Kelly have spoken about their build-up to the Sydney 500 this weekend, both realising it's their final chance to grab a podium for the year.
3: Yeah, it's a challenging place as a driver. Can't wait to get there and have a crack at it. It's our last chance for, for well, my last chance for a podium for the year,
1: so that's what I'll be going there to try and do.
0: And it is critical for us to finish the year on a high before we head into next year, which needs to be a strong year for Kelly Racing.
1: V8 Supercars told the V8 Insiders that pre-ticket sales for the Sydney 500 have been very strong. Last year's 170,000 cap is still in place, but they also believe that the event will not have any problems if they go over. And also, the 28-29 licence debate will continue a little bit longer, with, on Wednesday, entries having to be officially put into V8 supercars for 2011, but V8 supercars are yet to disclose how many entries they have received and whether or not they are going to buy back one of the wrecks. But hold this space, we'll let you know as soon as we find out. Matt Nielsen, the man they call Teko, has left HRT and will be joining FPR in 2011. Teko was Garth Tander's engineer in his championship year, moving from HSV to HRT with Tander. Teko became Will Davison's engineer this year, and with FPR staying at three cars, it's uncertain where he'll be slotted into what is becoming a very talented engineering lineup. As silly season rolls on and the build-up to the Sydney 500, Frosty Winterbottom today launched his yet unnamed teammate's car, the number six Trading Post FPR Falcon.
3: Obviously, have Trading Post come on board the car six, and uh, you know the, the involvement is going to be fantastic for our team and. I really think they come on at a, at a good time, you know, I think FPR as a, as a whole is, has really stepped up and we've got pretty exciting things for 2011, so yet to be named driver line-up for Car 6 but, um, you know, I think all in all it's going to be pretty exciting so silly season's definitely started but it has to start early because we go racing in, in February so it gets shorter and shorter that break so silly season's always going
0: to get earlier.
1: This weekend also marks the 100th event for Triple Eight Racing. The team debuted at Sandown in 2003 and since has gone on to pick up its first race win at Eastern Creek in 2005 with Craig Lowndes and then on to two championships. Triple Eight has won 63 of the 223 individual races it has contested in the course of the 99 events. Contributing to 42 of the team's race wins is the two-time champion, Jamie Winkup, a 26.59% strike rate. That's better than a win in every four starts. Craig Lowndes also has 25 of his career, 77 wins with Team Vodafone. Jason Richards has released an update on his condition, thanking the thousands of well-wishes he has received over the past weeks. The tumour? which was removed from his abdomen last week, has been confirmed as an adrenaline gland carcinoma. Richards says he's still in hospital, but he came out of ICU over the weekend. The last week is a bit of a blur for the new Kiwi, considering he was asleep for most of it. Richards is looking forward to returning home in the near future to start what he refers to as the second phase of his recovery, which will include chemotherapy. Andrew Jones will continue to sub for Richards this weekend in Sydney. The government has completed its review into sport on free-to-air television, which could see major changes in the way V8 supercars are shown in Australia. Bathurst must remain live on free-to-air's main station. However, the rest of the championship can be moved to a multi-channel and can be delayed up to four hours. This change to the regulations is for five years. However, with the current analogue service being turned off across the country starting December this year through to December 31, 2013, the determination on what is the primary digital channel is yet to be made by government, and Free TV Australia could not confirm that the HD channel will become the primary channel for each broadcaster in the future. Currently, the HD channels are 1HD, Gem and 7Mate. Are you looking for a job with the V8 Supercars? Well, they are advertising for a senior sales executive based in Sydney. The successful applicant will be responsible for driving new revenue opportunities and own the overarching V8 Supercar Championship Series and the eight in-house V8 Supercar events. Check out the V8 Supercar website for details. Etou et Jean was launched on Tuesday at the Sydney Overseas Passenger Terminal by Team Vodafone's Jamie Winkup and Craig Lowndes. The new fragrance for men is sure to be the must-have gift for Christmas.
3: Some men like it
0: smooth. Others like it rough. Our men like it fast, really fast. The house of Team Vodafone presents the Asian. Why smell like a man when you can smell like a
1: V8. The fragrance is a parody and is a homage to the Ron Burgundy character from the film Anchorman.
4: It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. Brian, I'm gonna be honest with you, that smells like pure gasoline. They've done studies, you know. Sixty percent of the time it works. Every time. That doesn't make sense.
1: Special bottles of Etou and John are being auctioned for the Salvation Army's Christmas Appeal. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Peter Norton and Luke West preview the final two races of the season. Then on this week's Y-Flag Lap, Craig Lowndes gives us his thoughts on Sydney and what he can do to help his teammate take the title. Controversy Corner is
2: next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders.
4: You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars
2: Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.
1: Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me this week, it's Sydney Zone, the voice of the Fujitsu series, Luke West. Good evening, Luke. G'day, Craig. And also joining us, it's uh, Canberra own, the uh, voice of Inside Motorsports V8 reporting, it's uh, Peter Norton. Good evening, Peter. G'day, Craig and Luke. Look, uh, we're coming into the Sydney Telstra 500, the final race of the year. And, Luke, as the resident Sydney side are on the panel, I have to say, what's the vibe? What's the feeling?
3: Well, there is a bit of a vibe, you know. There's, um, as I wandered through Sydney CBD on Monday, I saw the flags flying. So, the government is certainly supporting this with uh, not only money, but you know, pulling a few strings, get those flagpoles up and uh, the banners on them. But uh, last weekend I was at a barbecue and the usual, what do you do for a living, and when I s- said that I was involved with the V8 supercars, oh, I'm looking forward to going out to see that this year, so from a couple of people that I met there. So there, yeah, there is a vibe, there's definitely a vibe which uh, you didn't usually get or previously get with the rounds at uh, Oren Park and Eastern Creek, and I think... It's a case of uh, the diehard fans. You know that, that group of 40,000 or so people that used to always go to Oran Park and wanted to sit on the mound there and watch car racing all day. I think they went out last year and they were a little bit disappointed to be frank and you won't get those people back but I think you'll get all the sort of the fringe people from the sport or, or more so new people. I remember last year after the inaugural Sydney 500, I went to a uh, you know a school Christmas concert, and all the other soccer dads were going, oh, I'm going to go out next year, and it's going to be fantastic. I've heard there was a real buzz. So I think what V8 Supercars loses from the diehards, and they don't want to lose the diehards, but I, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't think a lot of those people will go back because they can't sit on the hill. It's not that type of event. might be more than compensated by general sporting people, sporting fans that just want to go out and soak it all up because they've heard good things about it from a from a first-timers point of view. Mm.
1: Peter, your thoughts heading into race number two because it's amazing how many people in Canberra have said, We're looking forward to going up there. Well,
5: yes, it's an attractive package, isn't it? The uh, combination of the, the racing and the concerts and the location is convenient, you can catch the train, a uh, whole lot of positives. The second year is always very tough because it doesn't quite have that same novelty factor and I guess that's where the uh, changing the rotation of the concerts each year does give you the element of being able to freshen up the program and uh, to get different people in. Uh, Guns N' Roses will get quite a lot of people in. Uh, I'm not sure if it's quite as strong of a draw card as the Cold Chisel reunion but it will still get plenty of people in that uh, are first and foremost uh, rock fans and they'll check out the motor racing while they're there. The weather could be interesting for the, for the casual motorsport fan. Uh, we've had a lot of rain around a, a lot of the east coast of Australia lately, and uh, it's possible that we'll have some more of it on the weekend. Uh, so it's going to be a tricky one. I wouldn't want to bet the house on whether the number's going to be bigger or smaller.
1: But, Luke, it's safe to say that uh, Sydney insiders do like an event. And uh, this, uh, uh, what we're seeing is something that isn't just your regular day-to-day motor race, isn't
3: it? Oh, that's right. It's, um, it's a case of the, with the, the Homebush event that it's, it has sort of captured the city. I won't say it captured the city's imagination, but it's, it's fallen at a good time. You, know, you couldn't hold this event during the football season, would get no attention. But the fact that there's not a lot in town on in-town... At the moment, there is the golf. Uh, what's that? The Australian Open at uh, one of the Sydney courses, but barely heard a word about that. Just looking in the papers and just on the news, it seems to be uh, the V8s uh, outweighing that one. So uh, yeah, I think it's. I think the timing of the event is perfect, being mm. you know the first weekend in December.
1: And now, Peter, I remember that uh, we spoke to Luke. What was it? Four years ago now, when they moved Clipsal either very early March or late February. I can't remember uh, uh, the exact date of it, but I do remember Luke talking to us on the show about how V8 Supercars went up against the cricket and they got hurt in the TV ratings. They're going up against an Ashes series, which um, the Poms are showing they're strong, and uh, it's on in South Australia this weekend. Do you think that's going to have any bearing on television?
5: Cricket's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, People get excited or they turn off on the cricket. Uh, I find it quite a fickle sport that uh, uh, coming into the ashes, people were both pessimistic and optimistic and all sorts of things. Uh, And uh, it's hard to call on that one, whether people are going to uh, stay next to the TV to watch the the cricket from South Australia. Um, At least the cricket isn't on in Sydney. That would be a tough one to try to, to fight against.
3: Yeah, well I guess there is some erosion of the TV audience when you have uh, you know, the biggest sporting contest of the summer on on the same weekend I think that's uh, fair to say there will be some erosion but who knows let's see what the figures turn out to be of course they can be massive uh, if it's a wet weekend as you've alluded to Peter then uh, while that can affect the trackside spectator numbers it can actually be a boon in terms of uh, the TV audience in any wet
1: city. Yep. And of course uh, we know that Sydney cider's aren't like our good friends down in Tasmania. They definitely aren't built as tough there in uh the Harbour City. Guys, the crowd last year was capped and uh, I'm interested and we haven't been able to get a confirmation yet, but I'm hoping before we go off air we will hear from uh, Cole Hitchcock to uh, confirm that the cap on the crowd is going to be lifted because that 187,000 of last year was actually because Tony told them, don't you dare lock this thing out when there's people still wanting to get in. And, in fact, they went about 17,000 over what the cap was allowing them to do, Luke, and uh, that's something that we haven't heard much of, possibly because we know that there is a, a bit of a shrink in second-year events.
3: Yeah, maybe You're 100% right. I hadn't really thought about that, the whole uh, capped number, so it would be good to get confirmation of it, but it would be crazy, wouldn't it, if you capped the numbers, if you can get more people through the gates there's certainly plenty of room for them at sydney olympic park you know when you think that the inside of the circuit houses the olympic stadium and it only takes up about one-fifth of the area inside the circuit gives you an idea how expansive the whole precinct is so it can certainly take uh, four or five times that 170,000 people not not necessarily enabling people to see the racing along the fence, but in terms of safety and um, crowding and that sort of thing, you can jam many more people in than, than 170,000.
1: Yeah, and Peter, of course, you'll remember Tony's famous press conference where he said, oh, they can lock me up if they want, but I wasn't going to turn them away.
5: <laughs> yes, that's right. And uh, you can always argue that if there is a cap here, go 10% over and just say, oh, it's uh, but that, but the GST. <laughs>
1: Good work from the accountant there. Hey, will the track modifications that they've been able to sneak in make much difference to the racing, Peter?
5: What I've been reading is that the track modifications are only a little bit subtle, uh, mostly through the the first chicane to make that one a a bit more flowing and faster, whereas the, the rest of the circuit should be pretty much the same as before. What those reports haven't focused on is whether there are improvements to the, the positioning and the alignment of grandstands to make the, the viewing a little bit better, and, and also just some uh, you know, arrangements around uh, are the, the general admission punters allowed to you know, go up on the stairs and get in the way of the people who have purchased a seat. Some of those sorts of... Uh, you know, crowd, comfort and uh, uh, you know, visibility kinds of things are always something to, to fine-tune year to year and, and hopefully they can uh, enhance the experience for the punters that way.
1: Mm. One thing's for sure, Luke, uh, Shane Howard was definitely putting a few more bridges in this year.
3: Yeah, not only bridges, I understand also that uh, a lot of the grandstands have been covered for this year and also some viewing platforms in to improve the uh, general admission viewing. So, um, yeah, I don't think that the track modification, as Peter outlined, mostly to that uh, first chicane on the circuit will do too much. It is uh, it's pretty tight there, but it, at the same token, it while it didn't uh, promote a lot of overtaking, it was a case of uh, one mistake, you're in the wall. So with the championship up for grabs, um, you know, going mistake free on that circuit is, uh, does keep you glued to the, the screens and,
4: and the track.
1: Mm. Well we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. Plenty more right after this.
4: You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars.
2: To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at
0: sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders.
1: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me this week is Luke West from Fairdex Magazine, the Fujitsu Series and Auto Action, and Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. And... Guy, I'm going to hit you with the toughest question of the lot. What does 53 and 97 mean? Because my next question is, who's going to win the championship, that is?
5: You first, Peter. Okay. Uh, clearly, in the, in that context, those numbers must refer to uh, points and points gaps and uh, how many points someone needs to uh, wrap it up at a particular point in time. Uh, I, I would imagine that the... Uh, was it 97? That's how many points that uh, Courtney needs to wrap it up on Saturday and have a, a jolly big party.
1: So, Luke, you can tell me what 53 means.
3: Well, 53 is the number of points between Courtney and Winkup on the table as it stands now, Correct. Yep. Anyway, who will win the championship? I think, well, my money is with James Courtney because he has that 53-point um, gap. He can be a little bit more conservative on a circuit where, uh, as we pointed out, one mistake, you're in the wall. And uh, the point I'd like to make um, is, wouldn't it be a huge shame if Courtney won the championship and in doing so, Dick Johnson Racing became the most successful team in the history, 50-year history of the championship. Currently, DJR and Holden Racing team have won six driver's titles each, so a win for Courtney would be seven for uh, Dick Johnson Racing. So imagine forging into the lead in that little race and then uh, closing the doors the next day. Massive shame.
1: Is that where we're at with Dick Johnson Racing, Luke?
3: Well, I don't know. I have no idea. There's certainly plenty going on behind the scenes, and I won't even uh, delve into it because very complicated situation, but I do want to make the point that I hope there is a white knight somewhere, someone with a few extra mil who is a real motorsport and Ford enthusiast that uh, would like to see DJR continue in its uh, current form.
1: Mm. Well, uh, Peter, your thoughts on particularly the Courtney wing cup battle and, of course, the future of uh, Dick Johnson racing.
5: Yeah, uh, I think my pick is for Courtney. He's... uh a proven street fighter and uh, I guess proven perhaps not so much in, in results, although he's uh, one of his fair share, but a proven fighter uh, and uh, he'll either win it or bin it in some respects I, I, I think. Uh, we, I think most people can remember some uh, uh, fairly aggressive uh, on-track fighting uh, in Adelaide and other places where uh, he's either going to you know get that position or take a few guys out with him. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, and yes, the Dick the Johnson racing element in that is quite fascinating, how Courtney has uh, uh, been able to, to persevere and put himself in a position here you know, in front on the championship, when uh, behind the scenes so many things are quite frankly falling apart. I, I would describe it as a, sort of a messy divorce where the, uh, uh, where the, the happy couple, uh, or not so happy anymore, um, they can't just agree to uh, go separate ways and uh, take 50% each. Uh, but the uh, divorce process is such that uh, all of the uh, assets and family heirlooms are spread all across the paddock, uh, really destroying value. And you can see that with uh, Adrian Burgess going uh, to Triple Eight. The the whole thing is is not really going to end up with both of them having half each, but the the, the whole value that created such a uh, superb team and put Courtney in such a strong place... um, yeah, it's just going to be spread everywhere. It really is quite a disaster for the sport.
1: Mm. Well, it's gas and go time here on the V8 Insiders. Gas and go brought to you by the V8X magazine. And, uh, well, in this we endeavour to ask five questions in three minutes. I don't think it's going to happen because my first question is, Luke West, what's James Courtney's future looking like?
3: I understand that uh, he's going to join... Holden Racing Team, but there are some hurdles because he can't actually sign with another team until the ownership situation at his existing team, Dick Johnson Racing, is uh, finalised.
1: Mm. Peter, your thoughts?
5: Um, absolutely agree that it's messy and lawyers will be involved. Uh, I would expect that there have about- Everyone's well aware of the contractual uh, restrictions on Courtney um, but that wouldn't stop him signing a heads of agreement or an option agreement or something like that um, that secures the position uh, subject to the uh the formalities for Dick Johnson Racing actually uh, happening. Um, so he's probably in the best of both worlds, that uh, he's got a, a new deal signed and tucked away, uh, but if Dick Johnson Racing uh, enforce his contract for him to race there next year, um, you know, he's got to drive there as well. Probably not as lucrative, uh, definitely wouldn't be as competitive with the, the damage to the team that's, uh, that's underway. Um, it's going to be fascinating. And then, of course, the flow-on effects to other people makes it uh, more complicated still.
1: Mm. The silly season being what it is means if Courtney signed at HRT, where does Greg Murphy go, Peter?
5: Oh, who knows? Uh, I mean, who knows how many cars there's going to be? Uh,
1: That's my next question. Don't jump ahead.
5: <laughs> well, well, of course. Uh, there's a whole lot of uh, pieces to the puzzle that still need to uh, fall into place. And, in fact, there's probably pieces to the puzzle that we're not even aware of yet uh, that will come into play. Um, you know, The whole thing with uh, you know, Walkinshaw and Woodley seller license and sell a licence and all of that, um, it's going to be fascinating, and I suspect, for a couple of months to go.
3: I find it extraordinary that Greg Murphy would sit out next year. He's been uh, very quick to announce he's leaving his existing team and i just wonder you know is that all part of the plan to try and get something happening get other people thinking wow we could get murph here he's really well supported by holden new zealand sponsors love him i wouldn't be surprised if you know someone's beavering away trying to come up with an opportunity to get him in their car you know for instance and i'm only thinking out loud here the likes of kelly racing they've got four cars um you know maybe maybe he could return to be a teammate to to rick kelly who knows
1: Mm. one thing i'm going to throw in the mix now do you think that if walkinshaw performance is going to sell the license and there's a sponsor sitting out there roland dane might say why don't we get your boy adrian into one of our cars
3: well Who knows what sort of uh, machinations could be in play, and uh, as Peter suggested, there's still probably two months of this silly season to play out. It becomes a bit of a game of chess, doesn't it, that
5: uh, Walkinshaw may choose not to sell that licence, particularly if the uh, front runner that might purchase it may be competition for a driver that they want, Uh, so it really is multifaceted, and... uh, you know, of course, we've got uh, you know, sponsors waiting in the wings that may want to come in. We've got sponsors that are on their way out. Um, so you, you, need, you need quite a lot of uh, ingredients all to fall into place at the right time, you know, being a sponsor's money, uh, infrastructure to run the car, uh, the licence to allow you to run the car, and uh, you know, understand that a lot of those things looked like they were coming together for Ford Performance Racing to uh, add to their stable of customers. Uh, but they just didn't fall at the right time in the right place. So mm. uh, who knows what will come? Uh, still come.
1: Peter Norton, do you think we'll have 28 or 29 cars in 2011?
5: Their supercars are very clever. They have the uh, contractual right to uh, exercise an option to purchase any licence that uh, comes up on the market, uh, but they're also very clever not to pay over the odds for it. So they will pick their timing so that uh, it's a quiet year for the licenses uh, and therefore the market value for selling them is a bit lower. Uh, last year there were a lot of licenses on the market uh, going back and forth uh, so their supercars didn't uh, intervene at all. Um, this year we're not aware of many licenses um, and it will depend on the market value whether they, they want to uh, you know, re-acquire that one. Um, I think There's a lot of things coming into place that uh, would mean V8 supercars have a a very good time at the moment to purchase it. Uh, I wouldn't expect the price to be over the top. Uh, This could be the year for them to do it. Look, I tell you,
3: 29, just great. It's that odd number. I hope they do bring it down to 28. No, no, like, but just, just that even number makes me feel so much better about life.
1: Okay, where will the Pepsi Max money go, Luke?
3: Well, I understand that the V8 supercar teams that are looking for sponsors uh, have all uh, put in a, uh, a claim for it and put in uh, a proposal to Pepsi. Isn't it great that, uh, that they're looking to, to get around another liquid sponsor? Whether it's some alcohol product or uh, oil or whatever, it seems to be the go, doesn't it? Not too many solid sponsors in the sport, if I can be a little bit flippant about it. Hopefully they don't get scared off. With their, uh, their uh, first pick, James Courtney, if indeed he was first picked to be the front man.
5: Mm. Peter?
3: Oh, uh, as Luke
5: said, the Pepsi are probably uh, one of the smarter ones in, in running a, a sort of competitive process saying, uh, well, line up, fellas, and have a beauty contest, and uh, you know, they get to pick the, the cream of the crop. Um, so, oh, it's so hard to speculate because there are a number of teams that are uh, desperately on the market for a sponsor. Uh, and there are others that uh, would probably uh, jettison current sponsors to get the Pepsi money and the profile. Uh, so it's uh, quite a competitive field for that money.
1: Mm, I remember the days when we had a Coke car and a Pepsi car in the field. Perhaps I'm you just do kidding. the taste
3: test. I think you call it the uh, Pepsi challenge. Yeah.
1: Guys, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. That's Gas and Go for another week, and we're all looking forward to getting down into Luke's city as he opens the doors and welcomes all comers into his little backyard playground there, known as Homebush, and uh, we thank you for...
3: Everyone's welcome. Putting Firing up the barbie. Get out there, and uh, we'll cook up a snack for you.
1: Peter Norton, look forward to seeing you in Sydney.
3: Yes, it'll be great. Luke, put the kettle on. We're on our way. Consider it done. Thanks, gentlemen.
1: After the break, it's Craig Lowndes, and he's just going to uh, remind us of what happened in 2006 at Phillip Island in the last round of the championship. Perhaps Jamie Wincup's teammate can return the favour.
2: Find out more about your favorite supercar teams and drivers
1: when we go inside
2: further on the V8 Insiders.
4: You've taken in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage.
1: Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on the White Flag Lap, we continue our look at first as we speak again to Craig Lowndes about his first book. Greg Lowndes, The Inside Line and also let him preview The Homebush Race. The book had to stop sometime, but it stops right before Bathurst 2010, which was a fantastic story in itself and you'll probably get a few chapters in uh, the retirement book when that comes along.
0: Oh, definitely. It's something that I uh, you know, would have loved to have uh, included Bathurst now knowing, obviously, the success that we had and, uh, and the fairy tale that uh, you know, Mark and I, uh, what we couldn't do a decade ago, we actually accomplished now and uh, yeah, that would have been a tremendous ending to the uh, to the book. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, we had to uh, you know obviously uh, draw a line in the sand, and uh, we've done that. But yeah, it looks as soon as uh, we get an opportunity to uh, to uh, finish off uh, part two, that'll be, uh, probably, I'm sure, uh, definitely uh, well well within the book.
1: Now I know when I spoke to you in Tasmania, you said you probably only missed one person in your whole uh, inner and outer circles that you didn't think. Do you want to put that plug in now? <laughs> uh,
0: well look there's, there's probably actually now now I've uh seen, since probably a, a number of people that uh you know, really that uh, we haven't put into the book but uh you know there's, there's there's people like our neighbors that uh you know that have been a very big influence on us in, in the cattle way and uh and everything else. Um you know, uh, there's there's uh uh, you know, my my uh, my family's in there. My brother um, probably didn't get a big mention. So there's, there's actually quite a number of few people that I didn't uh, quite talk about. But uh, you know, really for me, it's uh, you know the book is is really uh, you know what what my my thoughts and opinion are on.
1: And the opinions are the interesting thing. As we go to Sydney for the second time, what's your opinion of the Homebush circuit and and the whole Homebush spectacle? To a non-driver, it looks a bit cambrish, the track.
0: Uh, look, it, it's a great track. A street circuit's always difficult to uh, to have a layout that, uh, that pleases everyone because you've got to utilise the streets that, uh, that are available to you. So uh, I think Homebush is, is a great facility. It's a great area. We've got uh, a great facility in the sense of the train station, access-wise, for people coming in and out. Uh, the track itself's quite bumpy. The, the uh, curbing... Uh, that they're put, putting down for us is quite aggressive. There's some great undulation under brakes in the back parts of the track. Uh, the, the track itself is quite uh, brutal on the tyres and the tyres really uh, you know go away quite quickly. So it's, uh, it's it's definitely a challenging track and I'm hoping this year that, uh, that it's bigger and better than it was last year because it was a great success last year for its uh, inaugural round and uh, so re- really for us it's going to be a championship deciding weekend as well. So that's really more for my teammate and for James Courtney. So it's, it's going to be a big weekend.
1: Now, in the book, you mentioned about the uh, the teammates that uh, tried to do you in quite successfully in 2006. Is payback a bitch?
0: Uh, yeah, look, yeah, uh, we definitely uh, came down to the wire at uh, Phillip Island uh, with Rick and uh, and everything else. And, uh, we, you know, we had a great battle throughout the race. Uh, you know, Scafie was driving at the time, and, uh, you, know, all we know were and uh, you know, we put holding, and, you know, we... Really believe that we uh, we had it uh, sort of pretty much sewn up, but uh, of course uh, you know when you uh, have an accident like that that takes you out of the race, uh, and uh, really for Rick then had to just complete that that race which he did, and then uh, you know to win a championship like that for me was uh, was disappointing, and uh, you know but but that's history that's that's what it makes uh, our sport so uh, sometimes controversial, but uh, you know it's really
1: uh, it goes it'll go down in history as one of the uh, I suppose near misses that I've had. And what about this time? How can you help Jamie?
0: Well, just for me, I just uh, got to do the best I can uh, in the sense of getting in front of James Courtney and try and uh, take some points off him. Uh, you know, I'm not going to run him off the track, I'm not going to um, uh, kamikaze him or anyway in sense of form. But uh, you know, if I get in front of uh, James and if Jamie's out in front leading the race well then it uh, hopefully will take some points away from james courtney and that's really my role uh, and it's the only way i can do it and uh, you know if if all goes well i'm sure it'll come down to the last race basically like a rick kelly and myself in 2006
1: well one thing about a race meeting it's over and done with relatively quickly what about writing this book how long did that take
0: uh, it was sort of over about sort of a, a four months sort of uh period where uh, Mark Fogarty that uh, you know helped out sort of uh, you know structuring and putting it all down in uh, in making sense for me that uh, you know he came to home over over that period and we sat down basically all day uh, about five or six times he came came to home and you know really just uh, he had. Uh, a lot of questions and uh, you know I, I've got the information it's just a matter of uh, how we put it down and structure it and uh, and, and really it was uh, you know to now look back on the experience and everything else it was a lot of fun.
1: Well Craig it's always a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, we look forward to seeing you out on the circuit at uh, Sydney at the Homebush but uh, before then we seem to be seeing you everywhere your face in every uh, newspaper store and bookstore and of course uh, you're now doing ads for speed television.
0: <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, speed Speed TV is uh, now coming up, and uh, look, it's great to be involved in the media and in, in any aspects really for us as, as race drivers. As, uh, really for me, uh, I'm in my uh, uh, the latest stages of my career as a race driver. I suppose you have got to look at uh, what what comes next, and uh, really for me, it's a, it's a great opportunity, and uh, you know something that, uh, that uh, hopefully we
1: can present ourselves well. That uh, you know that uh, people put us back. Do you have a number? a retirement number, or is it just going to be results? Oh, look, no, I,
0: I think that uh, there's two things that always uh, uh, will come to an head for me, which is, uh, you know, not being competitive, which we still are, and, uh, and, and not stop enjoying the, the sport for what it is. And, uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the sport. So, uh, you know, I hopefully... Uh, I've got uh, two more years beyond this year as as my current contract with the team and Team Vodafone, but uh, who knows what's going to happen after that. We'll see. uh, Two two more years is a long time away, but I'd love to uh, be signed with the team and uh, and continue for uh, at least another uh, five or six more years.
1: Well, the book certainly sounds like you. I know reading the book, it was so well in your voice. It just uh, felt like I was talking to you once again. So fantastic work with Craig Lowndes, The Inside Line, on sale now and... uh, HarperCollins would be hoping for more with the way it's been selling, Craig. Yeah, thank
0: you very much. It was a great experience. And, uh, and look, hopefully uh, everyone that uh, does uh, buy it and, uh, really gets a good read from it and a good insight of uh, who we are as a person more so than just...
1: My thanks to CL once again as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join
2: us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.